Is there a beauty item in your bag that you can't leave home without? Like, do you always leave home with a lip pencil? Like, what's your your, your beauty product you always need to have? Darling, I always have a full face in my bag. <laughs> I cannot live with one. It's like asking me to choose a child one. I'm like, no, 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 darling. everyone, it's your host, Michelle Lee, Editor-in-Chief of Allure. You're listening to a new series on the Allure podcast called Beauty Bosses. In these conversations, we share the stories of some of our favorite game-changing brands in beauty. These episodes are an up-close and personal look at the business of beauty from the most influential founders, CEOs, and entrepreneurs in our industry. Learn how many people launched their businesses, overcame setbacks, raised money, developed their first product, grew their teams, and so much more. We hope you enjoy this episode and feel free to subscribe to the Allure podcast wherever you enjoy podcasts. Our first featured guest is celebrity makeup artist turned beauty mogul, Charlotte Tilbury. Charlotte started her career creating editorial beauty looks for some of the biggest magazines in the world and working with premier photographers and luxury brands around the world like Prada, Tom Ford, and Burberry, among others. It wasn't long before she endeavored to create her own makeup and skincare collection, improving upon products she'd used for years and inventing new ones that changed the industry. Since starting her business, she's not only broken records, but become a celebrity favorite, coveted by people like Kate Moss, Jennifer Aniston, Penelope Cruz, and Meghan Markle. Stick around to hear how this iconic beauty boss got her start. I am so excited to be here with the wonderful Charlotte Tilbury today, who looks so glamorous. Oh, darling, thank you so much. It's so heavenly to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I always like to start off with talking about people's childhoods, because I feel like even in my own life, so much of who I am today and how I view beauty was really shaped in those early years. Am I right that you grew up in Ibiza? I did. I was brought up in Ibiza until the age of 13 when my parents were like, right, we better send her to boarding school before she goes too wild. (laughs) I mean, that sounds so glamorous, like a movie. How do you think that growing up there influenced who you are today and how you view beauty? I think it had a massive influence on me in terms of becoming a makeup artist. I mean, I was surrounded by artists, a lot of writers, painters, actors, models, I mean, editors. I mean, it was a lot of, you know, film stars, rock stars. And so a lot of creative people kind of flocked to Ibiza. So it was a big, you know, you would, in terms of creative outlet, that was kind of, you were you were around all these amazing influences all the time. So I would go in there, you would see all these, like you would see Grace Jones with her amazing makeup kind of, you know, and you would see all these amazing dancers and with just sort of, you know, comb bras on and kind of like diamantic kind of like wigs and just incredible makeups. And it was just, it was such a time of kind of freedom of expression and, and so much about, so much of that was done through fashion and through makeup. Yeah. So it is a tiny child kind of being in this kind of club and sort of like playing around the swimming pool and then kind of looking at all these amazing performers and artists. And I was like, wow, it was, it had a huge influence on me. And plus my father's an artist. And so I could always paint, draw and being brought up around. I was always studying film posters. I was always studying, you know, whether it's Marilyn Monroe, Marlene Dietrich, you know, Audrey Hepburn and Bridget Bardot. I mean, I was just constantly as a child brought up around that. And they really sort of understood the power of makeup. And that was kind of a huge influence on me. And I think then I ended up going to boarding school and discovering makeup at boarding school. And there's this, it was actually kind of this beauty editor that gave me instead of uh, when you go to an English boarding school, you have tuck boxes. So you have boxes, sort of, you know, big trunks full of, um, and they have it full of sort of sweets. And 
mine was full of makeup. <laughs> <laughs> and then they said this beauty editor gave me tons because she was a beauty editor at the time in front of my parents. And so she wrote, and, and then eventually when I left boarding school and I kind of said to her, you know, can, can you help me get a job? I did my makeup course at Glad Rossi School of Makeup. Went on to kind of try and get a job and it was a recession. It was sort of quite hard at the time. And, and I remember her saying, writing me this note saying, knock it to them, Charlotte. I know you'll be a star with a star. Wow. And it had a hand-drawn star. I remember I'd always look at this note when I was feeling kind of a bit like down or cold calling or not really kind of finding it hard to sort of get anywhere because it was a recession and everyone was lowering their rates and everyone was, you know, fighting for the kind of few jobs that were around. And and anyway, and I would look at this, I'd be like, yep. I'm going to do, I'm going to follow my dreams. I'm going to, you know, so, and, um, and now on all of my products, when you open them up, there's a hand-drawn star inside all of my products because I feel like, A, it's sort of like when you put on my my makeup, you know, it sort of brings out the star inside everyone. And I believe that everyone is a star. Yeah, and that's I amazing. That's kind of like my magic sort of little message to everyone. That's a nice full circle moment. Yeah. When you first went out to boarding school and you had your kit of makeup yeah. and you were experimenting on yourself, do you remember being really good at it at first? I, t- I think if you're artistic, it sort of flows through your veins a bit. You know, obviously you perfect anything and you 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 experiment and you play, but it's like if you can draw it sort of, and if you're artistic and you kind of understand color palettes and it's just sort of being brought up around my father, it was, it was there. Now, definitely did I make some mistakes, but sometimes mistakes are kind of great. Great things come out of them. And you experiment. So I, mean, I definitely went through some fashion trends that I'm now like, oh, and they'll probably come back, but like blue eyeliner with my kind of red hair. I'm just quite glad that that's sort of gone, that trend, but that was a kind of early one. <laughs> Very 80s. <laughs> Do you remember when you started doing makeup on other people? Like, did you have friends in boarding school who you were like, ooh, let me try doing your yeah, makeup? Yeah, I did. No, I did. I had a whole group of gorgeous girls that just indulged me. And they were like, I was like, wait, get rid of your plaits. Let me just put, okay, right. Let me put, okay, let me sort of, you know, style your hair. And I, you know, put their outfits on. Then I could be like, right, you need a bit of a kind of, you know, kind of smoky eye or cat eye or kind of like, let me just put this lip color on you and sort of, you know, let me fill in your brows or let me contour you. I mean, playing around. But I always sort of, knew I I think innately I'd, when I study a face as a makeup artist I sort of do this download scan on a face and so everyone has everyone is beautiful and everyone has features that are their most beautiful features and the ones that they play up someone might, someone might have luscious lips someone might have gorgeous eyes some their eyebrows the shape of their face the you know context so you're like it's almost like choosing, you know, kind of you choose to play up the eyes or do you play down the lips? Do you play up the lips and play down the eyes? Like what one are you going to really focus on? You know, normally as a makeup artist, you kind of say, right, I'm going to make that one element. And obviously you'll then kind of focus the rest of the face. So I think that's what I kind of did a lot of like yeah. sort of scanning faces and going. So interesting because I feel like the average person doesn't really know that and they don't understand that because a lot of times it's similar with hair too. Yeah. Right. Like how people will bring a photo of a celebrity or someone mm-hmm. whose hair they want yeah. without understanding that maybe that's not going to look great with their or face. Then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. When you were growing up, mm. who was the epitome of beauty for you? Was it somebody like, was it one of like a Grace Jones or someone who you'd met, somebody in your life, a relative? For me, I mean, my mother, I think my mother is incredibly beautiful and she would always, she would always have a kind of statement red lip, you know, every day she would like sort of, I remember her even driving us to school in the car and, you know, one time in her dressing gown, or not one time, quite a few times in her dressing gown, but she'd always put on a red lip, you know, she just wouldn't get out of the car. (laughs) At what point did you know that you wanted to make beauty your career? I got very young. I think I was 
obsessed by the power of it and studying pictures and study. I would I would study lash formations on eyes. I would sort of study like I'm always obsessive about why. Why do the cheekbones do that? Why do the eyes are where there's a certain shape? Why do they flutter like that? Why do they shine like that? You know, what is the kind of contours? And I think when so I, I went from that and I then. At the age of 16, when I was at boarding school, thinking, okay, I've got two more years for my A-levels and then I'm going to have to decide whether I'm going to university, what am I doing? And I remember going and sitting in a cafe with my mother and meeting this other makeup artist. There was Mary Greenwell and there was Alistair. And we were talking and um, he was saying, you know, I'm in New York and Madrid and blah, 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 blah. And so describing it being an editorial makeup artist and having a fashion career. And I went, and I walked down and I went, Mommy, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a makeup artist. She's like, oh, darling, that's marvellous. You know, sort of ch- driving along with her friend. And then I finished boarding school at 18. And then I said, right, okay, I want to go. And I phoned up Mary Greenwell. And I said, you know, I was actually too scared to phone up Mary, but I was not, because Mary's not amazing, but I just was like, Mommy, you do it. <laughs> and so so I phoned up and, and so my mother phoned up and she went, darling, tell Charlotte to come and see me and she can assist me on the fashion shows. And I went off and then she said, but she should do a makeup course. So I went off and did my glad course. It's called a makeup. And I came and then I assisted her London, Paris, New York, Milan. And then it sort of, for quite a few seasons, and then it sort of went from there. That is amazing. So yeah. now, of course, we know that you've had amazing, amazing celebrity clients who have become really great friends of yours. Yes. You've got Kate Moss, Amal Clooney, so many others. I'm sure that you get this asked of you a lot where young people might come up to you and say, Mm -hmm. like, what advice do you have for me? What advice would you have for an aspiring young artist? Like if they wanted to follow in your path, like how, how one would somebody do that? But also when it comes to dealing with notable people, like what kind of advice would you give them? I think determination. I think you have to believe in your dreams. I'm a real, I have a real motto that for me is like dare to dream it dare to believe it and then dare to do it. And a lot of people have dreams, but they don't believe they can make those dreams come true. And life isn't always a straight line. It twists and turns. It kind of, you know, but they're there to make you stronger. And if you have that passion and you have that belief, it will come up. It will happen. It wasn't always easy for me at the beginning. You know, it was like, it was a recession. It was a tougher time. It was like, oh God, I had to really believe that one day I would have this amazing career. And and then it comes and then you have breaks and someone gives you a break. And, but it's just that perseverance. Yeah. Do you feel like sometimes people underestimate how much hard work it takes to? Like, I feel like yeah. sometimes people feel like it should just come so fast when I'm sure, I mean, I know for sure now you still work your ass off. Yeah, I do. But in those early days, like I think about in my early career, like I worked my ass off. Yeah, I still do. (laughs) It's like 18 hour days sometimes. Oh my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, but but, you know, I think that's, it's, you've got to really want it. You've got to really want it. And, you know, there are, I mean, listen, you could, there are people at the moment sort of doing makeup in in their bedrooms and, you know, and, and, and blogging and then doing things. But even they work really hard. Like, I know those bloggers and they're, it's not like people go, oh, that she's just doing a makeover in her bedroom. Like, no, no, no. She's filming it. She's editing it. She's doing, it's a lot of yeah. work. Yeah. You know, like if you speak to them about how much they have to do, it's full on. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, they're own, they're, they are their own business people too, yeah. because when they're making sponsorship deals, yeah. they have to go out and hustle. Yes, yeah. it is hard work. It's, 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 it, it is. But then kind of wonderful rewards come from it. And I have to say, I've had the most incredible career. I feel so blessed to have chosen this career. I think I used to kind of play with my Barbie dolls and sort of like I used to have my make-believe world and I kind of feel like I end up now I'm you know sort of putting makeup on and playing with kind of gorgeous kind of real life amazing inspiring women that that kind of dream that I had when I was playing Barbie dolls has sort of come 
together yeah. um, and come true. And I think I believe a lot in creative visualization. Like I, I you know, I visualize where I want to go. I put the work in, I don't sit on my sofa and then I make it happen. But it's, you know, I think that would be my advice to them that all dreams do come true. You just yeah. got to believe them. That's and amazing. Create them. I mean, obviously you're so many things now with your brand and everything mm -hmm. else, but as a makeup artist, and especially in the early years, why do you think that people flocked to you? Like, what do you think your greatest strength as a makeup artist is or, or was? There's certain things that you just, you know, after a 27-year career, you just become synonymous with. So I think if I, when I started my career, I was known as, when I really kind of entered the end of the supermodel era. So I was sort of working with Mary, with, I'd be in a room with like Cindy, Claudia, Naomi, everyone, I like, you know, just all in one room. So they, that was amazing. That whole kind of, I love that supermodel era. But afterwards, when it was grunge hit and it was like very minimal makeup and I became known for really creating gorgeous glowing skin so I was really kind of known for like this kind of dewy gorgeous skin and then I became known for the kind of smoky eye it was like a Tilbury eye everyone was like oh my god you gotta get the Tilbury eyes like she does the best eyes and like you know the feline flick and kind of like it was like and I was always like smoky eye till I die and then you know and then I set many trends off and then I became obviously a very big makeup artist whatever and set many many trends that kind of got picked up and because you were creating them, you were creating them on the red carpet, you were creating them for the covers of magazines, you were creating them in ad campaigns, you were working with like the biggest stars. So you was you were kind of creating these trends and, and whether it was kind of color blocking or whether it was bronzing, whether it was kind of whitening, whether it was big brow, whether it was kind of graphic, it's just all types of different trends that we were sort of creating. And and I was working with photographers that loved the makeup moment, loved that. I always had that amazing killer beauty shot. But I think what a lot of women, even when I did conceptual makeup, which wasn't so much my thing, but I did do it, obviously, because you kind of get to, you're like, okay, now that that's a trend. And I would always, everyone would always say to me, you know, you make me feel like the most beautiful version of me, which was so amazing. And the models would say that, celebrities would say that. And it was like, whether even if it was a kind of more of a graphic moment or conceptual moment, it was like, you still bring out the beauty. Mm -hmm. And it was like, and that's what I was just always known for doing. So even if I was doing kind of very fashion forward campaign, it would still be, there would still be a, a, a beauty and a softness there. Yeah. And I think that became my signature kind of look apart from obviously, and then eyes, like uh, there was the kind of, the, you know, the Charlotte Tilbury eye, it was like so was a thing you know like whether it was you know I always talk about that moment when Stella McCartney was wearing kind of I put on a, a feline flick on her and a kind of bit of a smoky eye and then she walked onto the set and Kate was like Kate Moss was like uh have you got because I couldn't do Kate that day because I was doing Stella's show and I did Stella after and she was like they were filming Fab and she's like have you got a Tilbury eye on and I've got a BBC eye on <laughs> I was like maybe laugh so much so brilliant but um yeah so I think I, I, that's really kind of what I became known for. And, and I think, and even now at my counter, sort of, you know, having seen this white space in the market and, and the reason I wanted to create a makeup line wasn't just because I was like, oh, I'm a really great makeup artist and I just want to do another pinky lip or another red lip or another kind of foundation. It was like, actually, I genuinely are missing these products in the marketplace and there's a need for this and I'm frustrated as a makeup artist and I'm frustrated for some of my clients because people would often see some of the looks I did on whatever whoever it was on the red carpet and they'd be like oh my god I want you know whether it's Penelope Cruz or whether it was countless celebrities that I've kind of worked on they'd be like oh you know can I get that look and I'd be like well not really because it's like actually I've ended up mixing loads of things and so I can't just it's not easy for you to kind of understand or and then 
some of the things I was putting emollients inside them and shoots and and that's really kind of how I kind of came about kind of creating nude Kate lipstick. I have to say I'm obsessed obsessed with your eyeshadows too. Your palettes Thank are you. the best. I'm actually wearing one of them today. Thank you so much. Like especially the shimmers are just it's so like, pretty and they're unlike any other shimmers that I've seen before because they're not like super glittery, yeah. but it's like they just like it's a nice beautiful glow yes. that especially when the light hits it it's just perfect. Thank you very much. I do appreciate you. We work so hard. You know, my I have an amazing dream team, you know, along with me of like finding, so many women would say to me, but glitters make me look older and heavier and a bit more kind of like, to, you know, they don't, some women are like, I find glitters tacky. And I'm like, no, 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 please. It's like, there is, you can have glitters that are finely milled that won't make your eyes look older. They'll make them look smoother. They'll kind of be more dreamy. And so for me, it's all about that dreamy kind of feeling. When you come to Charlotte Tilbury, you're going to get, you're going to look very pretty. You're going to feel safe, safe to play. You're going to feel a bit fashion forward, but you're going to feel safe and you're just going to look pretty and dreamy. And that's very much my signature look. And that's very much what my brand's about. So I think it was that. It was actually, it was thinking about Exactly. You would talk about the glitters or powders, like face powders. I would be always, because on set, you know, you would have to use face powders all the time. And they were just chalky and cakey and too much talc in them and not finely milled enough. So I then went to the laboratories and worked really, I'm a complete perfectionist, but like would work so, so, so far you know, micromanaging them being like, no, I need more almond oil. I need more rose wax. I need more. I want the best finding my milled machine. I want them to kind of feel literally like air or like satin on your skin. Like you don't microfine pore refining because what powders pore refining, they just make you look worse. So I think the laboratories are a bit like, oh my God, here she comes. But it's, but the fact is then you come up with these amazing things and I can safely say there's been a million articles written about airbrush flawless finish powder because it literally, you look airbrushed after you've done it. I've had people ask me, have you had work done? How come I don't, can't see your pores? I mean, it's no, no joke. Sam Hayek at the Met Ball, literally with Amber Valletta, they were like, have you, what have you done to your pores? I was <laughs> like, I swear to you, this is just airbrush powder. I've not had a laser. I've not done anything. And it, it, it's amazing. And and it's become, you know, airbrush. I mean, it's one of the most sold, I think it's the number one selling powder actually at Sephora now, but which is amazing. And lip, Pillow Talk has become, is the number one selling lipstick in the whole of North America. It's amazing. And the lip liner, can you believe that? I'm so proud of everyone that works with me and my whole team to kind of say something like that because you do have these dreams of doing that and then you're like in 10% of the distribution in North America and it's like charlottetilby.com and Sephora and Bloomingdale's and a few Nordstrom's and then suddenly like bang, you know, it's amazing. It's incredible. I mean, you obviously are now like a huge global brand. I feel like even yes. in the past four years that I've been at Allure, we've seen so many new brands launching now. Yes. Like how, when you look back on launching your brand and running and everything, what has been the biggest challenge for you? Listen, this, you know, I think I love challenge. I think I really, I get off on challenge because if I think about it, I mean, it's interesting you say so many brands have launched. It was Anastasia Beverly Hills came up to me and said, do you know that like since you launched your brand, like 500 brands have launched since? And I was like, So Whoa. many. <laughs> I had no idea because someone came up to me and when I launched in Selfridges in London, they were like, you're so brave. You know, five people only own this world and you're so brave to have launched. And it was like no one had launched a brand for like, 20 years almost it was like all the big ones you know and then I launched and then it, it was almost like and I love inspiring women because it was almost like if she can do it I can do it do you know what I mean so that's a kind of wonderful thing but I think challenge is so amazing because it's like when someone says to me you're not going to be able to create a powder that is kind of micro fine and that doesn't cake and I'm like no 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 I will and sometimes it takes me 20 years you're not going to be able to con take, create a concealer that acts like spanks for the under eye I'm like yes I am you know it might take me 20 years 
Or sometimes it might take me one year, which is amazing. It, but I, you have these dreams, you follow them, and they, they become challenges. And then they kind of, you know, somehow through the determination and through research. And, you know, I now have my kind of own in-house chemist. So, you oh, know, oh, yeah, my, nice. which is amazing because I my new foundation, Airbrush Flawless Foundation, actually has as much, it has a thing called Replexium in it, which is amazing. And it has as much skincare science as it does makeup. And so... For me, it's about when we're looking at the future, it's the hybrid of what is innovation? Where's it going to be? Where do you next the next frontier? And I think, you know, when you talk about challenges, you've got to keep on innovating. You've got to, because otherwise it's just like if everyone, you know, you disrupt and I disrupted, you know, six years ago. But if you don't continue to disrupt, it's like you become old news and it's not interesting and then everyone else catches up. So you've got to kind of keep on what is the new frontier? What is the new dream? What is the new disruption? Where is the new white space? And so for me, that's all challenge. And for me, that's so exciting. And I think that's partly why my brand's done incredibly well, because I created categories that weren't even in the market when I cre- created Wonder Glow. And then I did a Hollywood Flawless Filter. And I improved categories that weren't there. So for me, at the end, it comes down to the, the product is king. If the yeah. product, if you put on the product and it does something, if you're going to you know, basically sort of, you know, ultimately I have a brand to sell. If you're going to ditch your powder to use this powder, it better be a better powder. Otherwise you're going to stick with what you have. And I remember before I launched Magic Away, my under-eye concealer, people were like, but how come you don't have a heavy concealer? I was like, listen, can't get it right. Tried 20 years, can't do it. And then eventually we got it right. But it was like, literally I'd had my brand for five years and it was just that that space. I was like, I'd rather go, you go and shop it somewhere else. And until I can improve it, well, I'm going to leave a gap. Challenges are amazing and it's been amazing to be part of this or to create it really and to have this amazing dream team that I have that kind of make all of it possible because it is is a team of you, a group of you that kind of, you know, indulge in making all of this kind of come together. But blowing records around the world, you know, from when we launched, it was an an amazing experience. I remember saying to Selfridges, you know, this is my number that I'm going to do today. And I was like, £51,000. And they were like, no, Charlotte, that you're crazy. You're going to do three thousand pounds today, and I was like, no, no, no. This is my number. I know I was not fifty. I took not fifty-one. I told them fifty, and they told me three thousand. And then literally, like that day, I broke a record in the history of selfridges. You are the queen of self-actualization. <laughs> yeah, and guess the number that I did fifty-one. So I told them fifty, and I did fifty-one. They told me three, and they were literally came down with this machine. They're like, what is going on here? And I was like, darling, the joys of magic cream. So you know, because did uh, you know that when you were first starting out, like when the brand was first launching? Did you ever anticipate that you would be this big? Like, do you feel like you set goals and they kind of keep moving? Or did you know all along, like, I'm going to be huge? No, I knew all along. I've got to be honest, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and say to you, oh, my God, it's all such a big surprise. It wasn't a big surprise. Obviously, when you're living it, it's the most incredible, amazing feeling. But I always believed it would be really big and huge. And I still think it hasn't got anywhere near as big as it will do. I mean, obviously, it res- it's amazing. It resonates globally around the world. It's amazing in Asia. It's amazing in, in here in North America. It's fantastic, doing fantastically well in Europe. So I'm very, very lucky and very blessed. And we love all of you guys and we love all my customers. And thank you, thank you, everybody who's listening to this because thank you for buying and loving my brand. Forever grateful. I have huge gratitude, actually, and, and huge joy when women come up to me and they say, my father's like, you know, I'm always like, give a, give a man and a woman the right makeup and they can conquer the world. But my father's like, well, what are these women, um, and even men coming up to going, well, you know, you, oh my God, I love it. You know, you feel so empowered. You know, He's like, but I don't understand. I'm like, because actually they before found it complicated. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to choose or use. And 
they now they're like, oh, I feel like I can do kind of a smoky eye. I feel like my skin glows like I never did. And I feel like I empowered. And that's the most incredible feeling and the most incredible gift. And that's really why I love doing what I'm doing, because it actually, it's more about the psychological difference that it can make for women if, if I just if you can walk out just feeling a little bit more confidence with a little bit more of a spring in your step and makeup brings you a little bit of that joy and skincare brings you a little bit of that joy because skincare is a big part of my brand then that is do you know what a great day yeah how do you think social media has changed your business I think social media is, you know, I mean, obviously there's pros and cons to everything. But I think if we look at the positive side, which we always love to look at the positive side, I think it's been fantastic for me um, having social media because you have all these different platforms, you know, whether it's Instagram, it's a bit more like a billboard and or like your magazine or kind of you can, and the fact that you can communicate directly with your consumers is amazing. And, you know, then you have whether it's YouTube, like your own TV channel. And so it's not that you're saying I love traditional media as well because I'm you know I was brought up like that I, that's my world that I come from you know allure darling but you know it's still that you can continue to communicate every single day because we live in a world where it's just like you need to communicate the whole time and it, it's been really great because that helps you then propel your brand out there in a much quicker way than the old days you yeah. know because you're not having to go through wait for the kind of every quarter or every month to go through the media if they choose you or don't you choose you, you can communicate every single day and people can see your amazing products and they can see how to kind of get the sort of Tilbury look or the sophisticated or the Dolce V, you know, like whatever it is, the kind of Bella Sevilla, whatever look that I'm creating or the pillow talk look. Yeah. So that's been incredibly great launching a brand. And I think that's probably why there's been so many brands is that people can communicate in a much kind of more efficient way. But I think skincare is a huge part of my brand as well. Not I think, I know. We did huge sales last year on skincare. And because for me, if you don't, if you want to, have a beautiful painting, you've got to have a beautiful canvas and prepping your skin and priming your skin and moisturizing your skin is the most important thing. And I want to spread that message out there kind of massively to everyone because so many times I see people and I'm like, oh my God, like what's your beauty routine? Are you, so we have this amazing in-house chemist now and we're, we're, we're bringing that amazing innovation, not only into color products, but also the skincare and the skincare is a massive part of my business now. After the break, we'll talk about Charlotte's personal beauty philosophy, the secrets to her signature red hair, and the key ingredient that makes her fragrance unforgettable. Every month, our editors test hundreds of beauty products, and you can get some of our favorites in the Allure Beauty Box. For just $15, we'll send you a box of up to seven items. At least two of those are going to be full size and a mini magazine that includes tips from our editors. New members get a special gift valued at $15 or more. Sign up at Allure.com slash ABB. Welcome back to the Allure podcast. Our conversation with Charlotte Tilbury continues. When you were talking about innovation before, your dry sheet mask. Yes. Like I had never tried a dry sheet mask before. And then when I used it, I remember I, I posted it on Instagram. And I was Thank like, you. what is that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I do definitely want to dig into just pure beauty yes. a lot more. And because it's the lore, we can go pretty deep yeah, on it. Yeah, so it. when it comes to your own look, what is your philosophy on makeup? Like, are you a creature of habit? Do you like trying new things? Like, what's your philosophy when it comes to putting on your own face? Now I obviously I only use my own products, but I literally, so I do love, I'm all about build up my eyes and then can play down my lips. But then I do, I'm always kind of like looking because I'm always looking for the nuance of the next best formula, the kind of, and I have changed my colors. So I would always use a brown with a ready undertone, but now it's kind of like much more sort of like brownie pinks and rusts and kind of like glitters and 
I've sort of progressed it. And then I kind of, I am a kind of signature look. I'm always kind of the smoky eye, but then it's like, do I use, I, I play with my different looks. So the friends, you know, if one day I want to be the rock chick or I want to be the Bella Sophia or I kind of, you know, it, and I've done my own look to the Charlotte Darling look, which has come out the queen of glow. I love that look too. So I definitely play around with a gap five and then the pillow talk look I'm slightly obsessed with. So those looks I sort of play around. That's really how I ended up coming up with the makeup wardrobes was because I would kind of work with all these models and celebrities, whether it was Jennifer Aniston, Giselle Bündchen, you know, they're always the kind of like the que- those sort of gorgeous golden goddesses that always love a kind of beachy, surfery kind of golden, fresh look. And I was like, oh, I'd work with Kate Moss and I'd work with kind of, you know, whether it's Cara Delevingne, you'd be like, oh, okay, it's kind of like more of kind of like a rock chick kind of vibe. So you realise these social kind of archetypes and there was sort of a bit like a designer every season telling you in fashion, this is the top that goes with the skirt, that goes with the shoes, eyes, cheeks, lips. And then you kind of get these makeup looks and these makeup sort of archetypes. And so that was the kind of the fun of creating that. And, And now I've done my own look called the Charlotte Darling look, but you know, I do play around and I do, but it is always within a realm. Yeah. And I know you love makeup and I've read before yes. that you sleep in your makeup. I do. Can you, can you talk about that? Yeah. So I always, my, I, my husband actually has never seen me without makeup, bless. But so I'm, <laughs> I always have a little eye, just a little eye. I, I love going to bed with like a little eye. It just makes me feel sort of a little bit sexy, a little bit empowered, a little bit naughty. So you take it off, you take it off at night, but then reapply. Yeah. I take all my skincare always. I use my goddess cleansing ritual and then I put my kind of magic cream on and then there's and well, there's another two steps which are coming out soon which I can't talk about um, that are really amazing and real skincare innovation actually really really incredible I've launched some amazing skincare which is launching in April but just like the Vizier cameras that we've done like 38% like reduction in wrinkles and for someone like me who doesn't want to do Botox and doesn't want to kind of but I want to kind of like have youthful kind of bouncy skin it's amazing so I go through, I do all of my skincare routine and then I just put a little bit of eyeliner back on. In fact, I use my Pillow Talk eyeliner, which is so fabulous, which I just, which is now actually nearly sold out on charlottetubby.com. We just launched it and it's the most incredible color I've got it on now. And then I put a bit of mascara on my top lashes and that's it. And then I go to bed. And nothing smudges. Or I guess and, it just becomes more smoky. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to be honest with you, no, the mascara doesn't smudge. And the, this eyeliner is so fantastic. It doesn't smudge. So <laughs> it's really great. But sometimes it might maybe a little bit on the bottom, but not really. It's, right. And you wake up and it's just and sexy And you wake looking. up and sexy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is your philosophy on skincare sort of, is it simplicity? Like what is your philosophy on skincare? My philosophy on skincare is that I, when I created the magic cream, I wanted a cream that was literally whether you've got oily skin, dry skin, I needed a cream that would just work on everyone and turn the skin around that was whether you're sensitive skin, dehydrated skin, like whatever type of skin you had, acne prone, whatever, it would work. So I did have a very universal approach. And when you kind of work with the labs, I mean, that took a while to get that right, to be able to come up with something that doesn't irritate skin. So even if you have rosacea, because I needed something, that was how Magic Cream came about because at the fashion shows, girls would flare up, you know, they would like on makeup on and off their faces so you were like and they were, do, they were doing four weeks of fashion shows and so by the time sometimes they would get to the Chloe show in Paris I'd be like oh my god let's you know so it was coming up with that cream so that was very much like as could I come up with something that really worked 
but was universal enough and not kind of for sensitive types of skin and not to kind of, you know, to calm it down. And that's really what I did with Magic Cream. And I think that's partly why that cream is so successful among men and women. You know, it really, men go crazy for it as well. Well, I feel like it's great too because it doesn't pill under makeup. Like I think a lot of times when skincare is created, they don't think about like what you're putting on over it too. (laughs) Thank you. Exactly. They don't know. And then that was a big thing for me because I was approaching it for that side. Yet, at the same time, I'm obsessed with skincare and so for me it's like what are the ingredients behind the skincare and where's the innovation without being sometimes I think people put sometimes ingredients that are quite intense that unless you you've got you're going to a dermatologist that could really irritate the skin so I think it's playing with you know I love glycolic acids I love all of that but it's like how do I make something that doesn't irritate so you know but still will give you that kind of I want people to look like they've just come from the spa or they've like just been for a facial, but being able to do it at home because you don't have very much time. So that's very much my skincare of like giving you the active ingredients that really, really work, but in a very safe kind of forum and that give you, and I am creating all of those tests because I, you know, I come from that world where we've always worked with facialists. We've always, you know, in Hollywood, on set, I was one of the first makeup artists to be able to bring a facialist on set in London. I got the manicurist who was then, who was, she was a facialist, but also doing manicure. And I was like, please, can you start doing facials for me before I prep the skin? And we would do it on Kate and those different people. And I was one of the first people to ever do that because I understood the power of if you prep the skin. And then I would always do my Tilbury massage and do the magic cream and then and put on the makeup. But really it's about... So I was talking about the red carpet and kind of thinking about all, you know, all of those actors and actresses, they are seriously taking care of their skin. And a lot of people don't know that out there. They are going to the facialist for a month before every single week and they are prepping their skin and they're lasering and they're kind of, you know, they're doing masks and they're multi-masking and all the rest of it. And so by the time they get to that red carpet moment, their skin is just gorgeous yep, and, and lifted and yeah. lifted and like dewy and glowing and lit from within and like poreless and poreless. So I'm like, we need to do that on a regular basis, take care of the skin. And we're all taking planes and then we're like, and we're in, like, and we're dehydrated. We're kind of like, you know, it's just, it's such a kind of thing to keep up, you know, good skincare if you also don't want to have surgery. Yeah. Right. So for me, it, that's very much so. I'm all about getting the best ingredients most active ingredients, but in a kind of safe way, keeping it sort of making the skincare routine not too complicated. But I do believe in, in layering because yeah. it's, I mean, I've got two products coming out that are part of, our, you know, you've got from the Goddess Can Cleansing Ritual to these kind of two bits that you do in between. And then you kind of finish with your magic night cream and your, and it's plant stem cells and hyaluronic acid and all, you know, all the rest of it. But it's amazing. Yeah. And the difference I've seen, not only on myself, because I also test everything, get clinical trials, test things with Vizia cameras, test it on myself, test it on my clients, everything. But it's just, when you see some of the results, it's amazing. Do you treat yourself to regular facials also? I do. I went, yes, I got off the airplane and I went to go and see Georgia Louise, who I think is fantastic. Yeah. And she gave me a facial. I was like, oh, you need It this. is amazing. I mean, just it just in the ways that technology has yeah. changed facials also. It's like the before and after effect is really miraculous sometimes. Amazing. Amazing. In your years working in beauty, do you have a favorite beauty tip that either you give to people or that someone has given to you? This is an old one. Diane Lane that I worked with years ago, she'd always like contour her nose. And I was like, and it, but it made such a big difference. And then obviously contouring was a kind of 70s thing that then I did. And then, and then sort of I helped become a kind of big trend. So I always kind of do that. And I, I do contouring in a very natural way, though. I have my kind of like, it's not 
you know, I could be right, careful it's not of the harsh, like. No, 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 no. <laughs> and then a beauty of track, I think that, you know, for me, it's like, it's just, if you want a beautiful painting, you've got to have a beautiful canvas. And yeah. just, you know, Magic Cream is my number one best-selling product. So I'm as much a skincare company as I'm a makeup company. And I think that is incredibly important. And I see, often I see people and I'm just like, oh, if I need to give you the right cream, and then the whole makeup would look so different. And it would sit so differently. As I'm looking at you right now, I feel like your hair and your hair color are like very signature. Yes. In fact, I walked by the beauty closet before and I knew you were in there because yes. I was like, I saw her hair. I <laughs> saw, saw, her, from, saw her from behind, but I knew it was her. Okay, so tell me your hair secrets. Like, what do you use in your hair? Have you been going to the same hairstylist for many years? Like, what are what are your hair secrets? So my hair secrets are I go to Paul. My hairdresser is here right now. He came with me from London. We love him. And this morning we put on, okay, so we wash my hair with Orbe Gold Lust. And that is so gorgeous. I, I have that in Orbe, my closet oh, right here. <laughs> go, I mean, Orbe's put, and Orbe would always say to me, darling, you need Gold Lust. And I love him. And he was one of my oldest, sort of dearest friends and made me laugh so much. And I miss him so much, the hairdresser. He was such a fantastic man. Anyway, he left behind a gorgeous product line that, you know, I still use. And so I did gold lust and I used the gold oil at the end of my tips. And I, it's a mask, but my hair is very porous and dry. So I need to really intensely moisturize it. Plus I'm on planes and everything else. So I use the cleansing shampoo, which I cannot, has got a balancing thing on it. I can't remember what that is. And then I use the Orbe Gold Lust Intense Treatment. And then I use the gold oil on the ends. I love my Dyson hair wrap. I mean, that is fantastic. It's that's so good. Oh my God, that's so amazing. Like the Dyson hair dryer and the Dyson hair wrap has literally revolutionized my life. I can get, I can do my hair and have it look like I've had it tonged and done. Literally, do you use the curl attachment? The curl attachment. I whack it on, literally five minutes, my hair's done. I look like I've been to the hairdressers out the door. Needs. And at first I was like, oh no, you must have to have a skill. And I was like, no, no skill. You yeah. literally just shove it in your hair. It cut and it just does it on its own. It's like, it's like a magic wand. I know. It is the first the time I tried it, my face was just like, my jaw dropped. <laughs> and so a lot of people were like, does it pull out your hair? Because I think if you're watching it, it looks like it's sucking your hair into a vacuum, but it, right. it's no. never pulled. It just, oh, it's amazing. In two seconds, I just do that on each side, done, out the door. How, um, how often do you shampoo your hair? I try to do it sort of probably three times a week. Some, I mean, like now I won't do it for till tomorrow. I trip, because the natural oils, you don't want to strip it. Yeah. And then it gets really dry and it gets dehydrated and it breaks. And it's like, you know, it's like when you, it's like your face. You need to have serums for your face, creams for your face. It, your hair's the same. So I need the natural oils to kind of go. So I then I try different hairstyles. Like I'll try this down for a day. Then I'll do, do you know, do the second day. The second day is even better sometimes because it gives it more body. And then the third day I might be doing an updo. And then the fourth day, got to wash it, darling. Yeah. Are you good at doing your own hair? Like if you didn't updo, are you like good at... Yeah, so I, I'm quite good at kind of like, I sort of, you know, rock a little bit of the, try and rock a bit of the Brigitte Bordeaux, sort of give myself a little bit of a hair bunny at the back, <laughs> twist it up a little kind of, yeah, quite good at doing it myself. So when I greeted you today, I also thought, oh my gosh, she smells fabulous. Do you have a signature fragrance? I do. It's my fragrance, Scent of a Dream. Oh, well, there you go. Thank you very much. It has... what, was, what was the thought process behind creating it? So this would be really great, interesting for you. So I had always, my parents, I'd always mixed a kind of the basis of this scent as a child. And, you know, whether it's patchouli, frankincense, the kind of the basis of it, you know, rose, because we would go to all these amazing hippie markets in Ibiza and get the raw kind of, you know, ingredients. And that was that kind of time. So when I came to creating the scent, I was like, I want, I want all these kind of, these, these are the basis of the ingredients that I want to use in it. And then I used this amazing nose in France called Francois Robert. 
And he sits on the, the Society of Perfumers in, in Paris. And he worked with me kind of very diligently on kind of building all of these different notes and putting it together. And I said to him, I've always had a trail in my scent. This scent has to have a trail. And he said, you know, noses don't know how to create a trail, but it sometimes is the part of the magic that happens in the process. And just like you recognized earlier, this scent has a trail. So it's amazing. And it has violet that appears and disappears. So it's like you kind of, this this violet, it's almost like a ghostly kind of thing. It's amazing. And so it kind of has these different wafts. And so people kind of, it has this amazing trail. And I also was the first person ever to use a psychologist for scent. So I went and I worked with, he's the first neuroscientist to have ever studied why the brain, the amygdala and that kind of emotional center of the brain, when you smell scent, it draws you right back to when you were a child or in love or a memory, that memory part of this directly linked to the kind of the emotional part of the brain. And so I was fascinated because I'd done my own study because when you wear the same scent for years you see people go ex-boyfriends you haunt them friends you know whatever it's it it, you time travel back to feeling those emotions and I I was so fascinated by how I could haunt people and how it could haunt me and affect me and so I we we went and found the guy actually who who came up with this amazing study and then we found him and then he introduced us to a neuroscientist in England and then we basically did all of our press days with and we were the first people to do it I think now we've been copied by other people but we were first people to do it when we launched it that is amazing so and it is fascinating how the brain functions and then these different and frankincense is kind of there's it's they use it as a portal from this world to another world they used to kind of use it to wrap when animals died or whatever because it's just it's got this amazing sort of very magical like quality to it but I could tell you so much about all the ingredients I mean I studied everything I'm kind of you know when I get into something I sort of get obsessive about it but (laughs) it's a wonderful fragrance and when people wear it they do like there's so many I have I could start a scent diary with how much magical kind of information people have met over it people have run across the street people have like in bars stopped each other I mean it's it's all because of this and it does it does have pheromones that react differently on each everyone's skin so it kind of you know it um it's not the pheromones it is oh my god I can't the molecule that literally amplifies your own um you know scent wow so if you if you came across somebody on the street or something else would you be able to recognize it on someone else (laughs) I would be able to recognize it but it's it does react slightly differently on everyone yeah kind of amplifies your own your own scent yeah which I think is always cool yeah is there a beauty item in your bag that you can't leave home without? Like, do you always leave home with a lip pencil? Like, what's your your, your beauty product you always need to have? Darling, I always have a full face in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot live with one. It's like asking me to choose a child one. I'm like, no, 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 darling. But because, down to even foundation? Yeah. Really? All of it. All of it. Wow. Of Wait, it. how big is your bag? <laughs> it's, I've got my, you know, one of my makeup bags full because I just, because also I'm a girl on the go. Like, I'm literally like, I leave the office, I'm going to events. Sometimes I just, you know, I have to kind of have one look, this, you know, running from here to wherever. So I, and then I like to kind of touch up and I'm very expressive. I'm curious, like, when you think about your just overall lifestyle and wellness, like, what is your philosophy on that? So for me, it's all about a state of mind, right? We live in a world that I wish there was a bit more. I'd love to start a kind of joy rebellion. I really sort of believe that there should be, everyone should get a little bit more positive sometimes on social media. And 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 and, and I'm, I have to say I'm very lucky and I love all the people that follow me. They're very kind. But I just, when I see it in other places, I think, you know, it's nice if we can just sort of all be really positive about each other, really love each other, really champion each other. And I think 
just I, I, that's why I love makeup and that's why I love skincare because it's just all about kind of bringing out the most beautiful positive you and and you know I think what I, I love about creative visualization and positivity is that we live in a world where yes we're all we're all human beings we're all a bit insecure but there, there's always a way to look at you know and uh, in the face of adversity there's always a positive that I think you can find out of it and so like I was saying to you about challenge and really kind of being in that kind of mindset and I think you know, I'm a great believer in creative visualization. You know, I, I love that sort of people having dreams and believing in those dreams. And I'm a bit fascinated by quantum physics. Not that I am a, have a, I have a basic understanding of it, you know, but I really believe that everything is frequency and that frequency can turn into a reality. And the more you believe your dreams, that, that, that it is not actually just a dream. It's actually a frequency in that if you plug into that frequency, that frequency can become, become a reality. Yeah. So for me, it's just all about if we could just champion each other, be born positive and yeah. adore each other. And I, I love, that's why I love, I love the world of beauty because it's so neutral and kind and, and, and fun. Whenever you have a negative thought, turn it into a positive thought and it's sort of the kind of positivity comes and then you have a kind of a better day. Yeah, and it's a funny because I do relate positivity to beauty as well. Yes. Because I do think that when you have like that smile in your eyes yes. or just a more positive outlook, it shows on your face. It shows on your face. And then it, and then I swear to you, the world then reacts to you in a different way. And so I've always said, you know, w with lipstick, it's a tube of happiness. And like, you know, you can change if you positive change of a reaction, if you change one woman, you can change a community, you can change a world. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the power of, you know, of that joy is yeah. so magical. And that's why I do love beauty so much. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I've, I've talked about this with other people yeah. before too, that I feel like there are, there's a set of people who still look at makeup and skincare as a chore. And then there's yeah. a set of people, if you reframe it as it's self-care and it's taking care of yourself. Yes. And if you really enjoy it, it's such a different process then. Such a different process. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. Because what they said to me when they've done studies on my brand is that there are, at the beginning, they were like, what's your demographic? And I was like, no, 18 to 80. They're like, oh, Charlotte, come on. I'm like, no. And I, it is so stretchable. I have, and I've, part of my mission was those women that found it a chore mm -hmm. or that all were terrified or just didn't know what to use or what to choose. So for me, it was about making it inclusive and saying, this is a club for everybody. It's not for just the supermodel VIP world of celebrity. Actually, everyone is a star. Everyone deserves it, like, to, to look like the most beautiful version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And makeup, all it does is it just brings it out. It just kind of, you know, if, and we do live in a world where we're all tired and, you know, we're just racing so fast and, you know, it just, it puts a little bit of that happy glow back into the face and a bit of, into the lips and it's just so magical. Yeah. So I want to be mindful of your time. So I've got one more question. Yes. So as we're talking right now, I'm nine months pregnant and oh, we were talking beforehand so about um, your own kids. Yes. I mean, you are a busy makeup artist. You are the leader of a brand, like a giant global brand. How do you find time to carve out for family time or me time? So tough, definitely, because, you know, sometimes the brand is all consuming, but I love my little Babalula so much. And I do see them, you know, listen, I, sometimes I will skip a weekend and I won't see them. I try to be with them and literally have no plans, but for them at the weekend. And so I concentrate on being with them. And then during the week, it's sort of if I'm going out and seeing friends or if I'm working, you know, all day, and then I try to get back to see them for bedtime if I can, but sometimes I miss bedtime. So it's a juggling act. It's yeah. a juggling act the whole time. Sometimes I'm traveling and I FaceTime them and I'm just like, I, you know, I try to FaceTime every day because I feel like that way they sort of feel like I'm there, you're in the room with them. 
So I've got to go and do that after I leave here. But it is a juggling act, you know, it's a juggling act. And the me time is the one that kind of gets squeezed the most. It's sort of, you know, it's either trying to stretch between being a kind of there for my children, there for my job. I'm obviously completely consumed by my company and love it so much. And then, but, you know, sometimes I go, okay, I'm going off to the mayor clinic to go and like kind of like (laughs) relax and kind of like heal myself for a week. But you know what? You've got one life to live, live it to the full. And I certainly do. I know it's funny. It's a question that I feel like I get asked a lot too about, you know, quote unquote balance. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I always feel like it's a sliding scale that it's like, there will be times in your life where maybe you flex a little bit more towards family time or me time. And then other times where you flex a little bit more towards work. And as I've been like a working mom for a while, I always feel like it's a really positive thing for your kids to be able to see you be successful and for you to work that hard. And so I think like for other parents out there too, like even though it's natural for us to feel guilty sometimes, what you're giving them is actually so important. Totally. And I think like my, you know, my five-year-old was like, why do you have to go to New York? And I was like, because I have to work. And he was like, would you go silly work? And I was like, no, mommy loves to work. And he was like, you know, and I said, one day you'll, you know, grow up on your work, you know, for this. Because he, and they come up with ideas for my brand. Can you show it till we brand could have drones? And I was like, <laughs> for really good ideas, right? Like Amazon are going to put them into bed, like they could deliver, to, you know, make up to your doorstep. And I'm like, genius. You're going to work, <laughs> you're an entrepreneur at five. But the fact is, Exactly. Happy mother, happy life. You know, it's like, I just think they see me so fulfilled, so happy, so happy when I'm being with them. They don't see me not following my dreams. And what, by the way, whatever that dream is, it's just for me as the type of mother I am, that's what I need to fulfill me. Other personalities don't need mm-hmm. that and they need different things. And that it's just whatever makes, do whatever makes you feel happy. But I am that type of person that is just got a brain that is constantly on, constantly got a new idea and I need to fulfill that as well as being a mother. You know, I never wanted to be at the sacrifice of being a mother for me. Other people like, I don't need to have children. Totally great. Mm-hmm. I needed both, but I have, you know, and so it is, it, it's a juggling act, but I think in life, as long as you're happy, you can only do your best. Yeah. And I think happiness is what they feel and what they see to your point. And I think that's what they get left with. That's the message that they kind of, that they get left with. Yeah. All right, Charlotte. So as we wrap up, is there any ask that you have of our audience, either how to follow you, anything that you want them to do? Well, darling, gorgeous, allure audience of heaven. God, yes. Will you please follow me on, well, follow me at C Tilbury Makeup, which is my Instagram and uh, my YouTube and come come to my gorgeous website, charlottetilbury.com and, and and feast on all the amazing products. And um, and you can see all of my uh, YouTube and you can purchase some of my gorgeous divine beings, the fabulous makeup and skincare. Yes. Uh, but anyway, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. So lovely. Thank and you so much for being here. No, thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. And thank you to everyone that's bought my products and gorgeous customers masses of joy and love. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my chat with the truly inspiring Charlotte Tilbury. Don't forget to subscribe to the Allure podcast and give us five stars if you liked this conversation. 